You're listening to Allied Health Podcast, talking all things Allied Health, with your hosts Danielle Whedon, physiotherapist, and Claire Jones, occupational therapist. Welcome to Episode 3 of Allied Health Podcast. In this episode, Danielle is joined by Daniela Radosevic, who is a graduate speech pathologist working in community NDIS. Daniela shares her experience of securing a graduate role, transitioning to professional practice and working as a graduate. I'm here with Daniela Radosevic, who I met late in 2020 as you, Daniela, were graduating from a Master's of Speech and Language Pathology degree. Um, Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me, Danielle. (laughs) Um, Really broadly, can you tell me a bit about yourself when you graduated and a bit about your current role? Yes, absolutely. So I I graduated graduated at the beginning of this year um, from Sydney University, though I live in Newcastle. Um, I studied in my undergrad uh, Bachelor of Psychology, um, kind of got to the end of that and just thought, oh, not quite my thing. Um, and I fell into speech pathology, thankfully. Um, and my role at the moment, um, I'm an associate speech pathologist at Physio Inc., Excellent. And you're working in the community, in In a community community disability caseload, is that right? That's right. So I started off doing adults and peds um, and I found that I really have a calling for working with children. Um, It was really nice to have the opportunity to work with both and I still have a few adult clients that I love working with. Um, But I had the opportunity to kind of specialise and choose something that I really just am passionate about working in. So I've kind of move towards that at the moment. Yeah, that's great. So you have a majority paediatric caseload, is that right? I do, yeah. Excellent. And um, in terms of working in a community therapy role, um, obviously now that you're in specialising in paediatrics, it's different again, but across the spectrum of adults and paediatrics, the caseload's pretty broad and quite challenging. Would that be correct to say? Absolutely. So mm. I think when I first started, I... Um, I I don't actually have any clients that really are the same. I've only got maybe one or two um, that are sort of I'm working with the same kind of thing, but I'm, gosh, what am I not doing sort of a thing? I I do swallowing, I do language, I do AAC, so I'm using high-tech and low-tech devices. I've got hearing loss in Queensland. Um, I've actually got a, a friend from university who just started with the company because she wanted to broaden her horizons and have a lot of experience with different things. And I think she's really, really getting that now. Yeah, excellent. And how have you, um, going a little bit off script, a few of the questions I asked, but how have you managed (laughs) with, um, as a graduate, um, the autonomy and working things like working to billable hours? Yeah, so um, I, I really wanted autonomy to be that was my number one thing when I was looking for a job. I um, I just could never I could never see myself working in a clinic um, role, and I like I like being really independent. Um, that being said, you still want to have a really supportive team who you can go to at any any time um, to ask questions. I mean, you're not just learning about um, you're not just learning about your uh, profession, but you're learning about the NDS, which is absolutely. It's a mammoth. Like yes. we, we, I had learnt about it a little bit in university, but it did not prepare me for how confusing it can be. And you've got clients asking you questions all the time and you want to be able to be responsive, but you don't know. So I think having a really supportive team is really, really important as well. 
Yeah, yep, yep. And I think um, from lots of feedback we get from grads and early career therapists is because the nature and the autonomy, which can be a real benefit of a role, but because of the nature of the role, it really is important to have a good team that provides you with definitely things like clinical supervision and those supports, but even the sort of regular check-ins given that you are working your days and weeks Definitely. As you want to, yeah. Uh, and the billable hours. So um, I think most of the places that I applied for when I was looking at the contract um, had some sort of billable hours sort of. It was already in there, but um, I liked it's, – it's really interesting. People should really look at those billable hours. I think it's really easily overlooked. Yes. Um, some places had – so I have about 20 hours billable, but yes. some places the expectation was 25 to 30 in the first year, which I think – is a lot. Just yes. to, just for me personally, like I'm I'm hitting about 25 now, six months in. Yes. Um, but that's a really that's that's just comfortable, just right. And I wouldn't do any more than that. No. Um, and my, my billable hours don't actually change the next year. So it's 20 hours as long as I'm with the company. Yeah. Some of the places they there's an expectation that you get to the first year and then there's an additional five. Yeah. So I yeah, think yeah. it's really important to read that contract all the way through yes. and um just think about how many hours you will actually um, be having to work. Yes, I agree. And even talking to different organisations, and I know it's within the NDIS specific, but even in private practice, you know, working out what 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 you're able to bill for and those types of things and, you know, how long an, assess- how long an assessment may actually take versus how long you can bill for it and, and those sorts of sort of details, I suppose, that's important as well to find out. Definitely, definitely. Yeah. So, um. Broadly, as a grad, how would you ex- describe your first six months of clinical practice compared to university and compared to uh, your clinics that you might have, your placements that you did? Oh, it's, um, what's the word? I'm so relieved. I yeah. Think. So, you know, you, you get such a broad spectrum of, of options during those clinical placements. And um, I didn't really like hospitals. I didn't really like clinics. And I thought, oh, gosh, am I in the right profession? Yeah. And it wasn't until I had my community role that I thought, and I and it got cancelled. It was during COVID, so I did four days of it. But in this, on the second day, I was like, "Yep, this is exactly where I'm meant to be." Yeah, you um, knew it was for you. Yeah, definitely. I definitely. Um, and I'm just, I'm just so thankful that I had that experience, even though it was only four days. I didn't have any more community um, uh, practice. Um, but yeah, the first, this first six months have been interesting. I would say the first three months were very intense. You know, lots of studying on my weekends and a couple of hours in the evening. And I know everyone says work-life balance, but it's just, it was just something that I knew was going to, I needed it to happen. Um, And now I've come through that and I feel a lot more confident. Um, In the beginning, you really feel like you don't know anything. And you really surprise yourself with um, how flexible you can be. I think a lot of the grads have probably gone through a really similar thing in terms of having placements cancelled. Um, so just be really kind to yourself, I think. Um, and you, I think fle- being flexible um, is an amazing skill and it's something that the company can't really teach you, it just kind of comes with experience. So I would mention that in in your interview. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree. And also, I mean, the last 18 months, 
the world really has, has shown us that flexibility um, and having an open mindset to things changing quite quickly is very important. But even I spoke to another graduate um, the other day and she'd had last year, she'd had, she'd had um, her site set on an, um, a placement over in Vietnam. One of her placements oh. was going to be an overseas placement and she was devastated that it didn't happen. Oh. But then she said, ended up finding a paediatric private practice that she really loved, which she maybe wouldn't have done anyway. So it's, it's that concept of, you know, yeah, being flexible and um, and working with the positives of things that, you've, you know, that come your way. Yeah, exactly. And so um, what was it like finding a job for you? Um, good question. <laughs> so um, it wasn't, there was a lot of, there was a lot of, there were a lot of options up in Newcastle. Yeah. Um, and it's interesting because the process can be very different. You can have internal recruiters, so they are part of they're part of say they're they're part of the business, and um, there's always different stages. Yes. Um, it can be a little bit confusing. I think you know you get the first approval. Yes, I got a job, and then you wonder, but is there more out there? Yeah, is this the right thing? Um, and then I got actually I applied for a place that I didn't even think that. But it had some, it had some not recommendations, but some some skill set that I just didn't think that I had. Um, this is for my current job, and I contacted. I happened to contact you. It was really fortunate, and you said just just let's just give it a go. Um, so, and that all worked out really really well. I loved. Um, there was a lot of honesty. You know, this, I was told that it was going to be a hard hard position, but if you really really like it, go for it. Um, I think that if you see a job out there that you don't think you're qualified for. I think still apply um, yeah. because it's not just about what you've learned on placement, but it's about your experiences as a person. Um, you might find that you actually can bring so much more to a job and all that stuff can be learned. Like you learn that in your first year. Um, yeah. And I agree. It's really important to find, and I know that employers want this as well, but it's so important to find the right, without sounding corny, the right cultural fit with an organisation and, um, and, well, often you really can't know that exactly until you start in a role. But, you know, more and more um, employ employers are having initial phone conversations with an interested therapist before moving to more formal interviews. So you can actually work out if you if you do seem to align, you know, you, you, you do, you might have that cultural fit and that's sort of the, that's, um, that's more and more the way it's going. But yeah, um, I take it like dating. Like, yeah. did you get a good feel? What did your gut say? Um, I, that was my top, my, that was my top priority, like my top value when I was going, when I was looking for a job. Um, I wanted, I wanted culture. I wanted a place that I feel like I belong. Yes. Um, in my interview with Irene, um, she made me laugh and we were able to joke about Friday, Friday night and, and, and the weekend. And I just felt like it was a good fit for me. Um, it was going to fit. Yeah. 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 And I think, I think, you know, if that's, if that's with the person who's created the company, then they've created, you know, they've picked all the right people. They've created a culture. And if you feel like that you get along with that person in the interview, it'll really amaze you how it'll, it'll be, it'll amaze you to find the rest of the people that they've hired. Like the more yep. people I find that I work with, I, I'm just really happy working with them. I really enjoy my team. Um, I, I don't actually have anyone near me. Everybody's in Sydney, um, but I still feel connected. Um, yeah. And I do get to see them once a month. Well, not at the moment, but we were meeting up once a month um, in the city. So that was really, really fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Excellent. And what um, what 
is there anything, oh, I don't know if you'll need to answer this question, but what did you find helpful when securing employment? Actually, oh, for securing it, I think just being myself. Yeah. Um, sometimes you want to like portray your best self, which you obviously still want to portray your best self, but um, I think just being your being yourself um, yeah. and just, just staying calm and staying relaxed, I think things will come. And I think there's also, there are just so many, there's so much work out there. I think yeah. it's just about narrowing it down and finding what, what calls to you and what feels right to you. Yeah, yep, yep. Um, and also it helps when a future employer is very honest, which I know Irene is, about the nature of a role and saying, you know, to, for you as a grad, this might be a challenging role because it is, you know, the challenges of community disability. Um, you're not going into a role with, you know, um, with expectations that aren't aligned with maybe what how, how the role might happen you know oh so much so so much so and I really appreciate that honesty um I think if you have expectations the other way I think it can really dampen your first few months and just your experience if you expect it to be super easy and um I think it just makes it harder than what it should be and if it's and if it's and if you expect it to be really hard and it's not as hard then that's even better it's even better I completely agree and you know it's so important in that first year of practice that it really can make or break you by you know by having the right organization and starting a role on a pretty honest level of what the role is going to entail um it's really important yeah so what uh we've probably covered this but are there any other sort of any other pieces of advice that you'd offer a new graduate in terms of securing employment would you go would you say go broad or uh, or only apply for a few roles how would you Mm, I would say maybe pick three things that you really want in an employer is that um, is it flexibility? Is it that you want to be um, paid at a certain grade level? Is it support? I know when I was um, when I was applying for jobs, everybody I spoke to was freaking out about um, getting the right support. Um, and they said, you know, in a community role, you're not going to get enough support. And so you can ask those questions in your interview. If those yeah. things are really important to you, you can sit down and just be like, look, these are the things that are important for me. Can you offer this? And generally the employer is going to tell you yes or no. And if yeah. they tell you yes, great, that's just ticked off three boxes. That's that's the highest contender. Um, I think that really helps you narrow it down. You can keep applying, but if you find something that ticks all three boxes, there's no point in looking looking further because you yeah. probably will find something else as well. But what's the point if you, you can still start somewhere that gives you those things that you need? Yeah, yep, yep, agree. And what's your biggest challenge been in the first six months as a therapist? Ooh. I would say it's two things. Yeah. So uh, three months in, I was like, "Oh, I've got to, I've got to really hold back. I've, I've uh, not hold back, but I need to find that work-life balance again um, yeah. because the first three months were really go, 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 go. And finding self time for self-care, I'm trying to bring that back um, and cut myself off at five o'clock or not. I was answering my phone on weekends and yeah. evenings and checking emails. So really stopping that yes that was great for the first few months but three month mark you need to pull back a bit and um, focus on you because we're spending so much time with clients as well and um, over time that will get to you so it's really yeah. important to remember you and the people around you as well that's always a good one and the other challenge was um, the combination of I would say telehealth and face-to-face yeah um, yep. most I think most people coming out now will have a little bit bit of experience in telehealth, but I hadn't had any. 
Yes. Um, and it's completely different. So just being creative and, again, just being really kind with yourself. Um, there's a lot of resources online, um, but just giving it a go, being creative. I've, I've, I've found so many different resources now and, um, and frequenting forums. Like people have already done these things. So yes. Don't re- reinvent the wheel. Yeah, so true. Draw from other yep. expert, experts and other professionals that are, that are doing it already and have done it. Yeah, I agree. Yep. And I think what you touched on with the first challenge um, in the community therapy sector is so true because the perk of the autonomy of the role is there. It also means that it can bleed into your personal time. You know, if you were in a private practice role, you would see your client at the practice and, yes, you know, Yes, you'd have some report writing and other things that can be carried into your personal life, but it's a bit more clear cut. Or if you're in a hospital-based role, you turn up to work and you go home. Um, so that's really good advice, I think, for any grads that are in the in the in that community um, arena. Yeah. Um, and what about a memorable moment since you graduated? Yeah. Anything funny or I remember right or. <laughs> It's it's not a funny moment, but it's just a an endearing moment. I um I have a, a one of my favorite clients. I won't say who, um, and he just he believes that he can't read. He's like, it's never going to happen. It's, I just can't do it. Um, and we're about I think we're about two months two months in, and he's starting to he's picking up a book and he's actually getting through the entire book. And um, it's just nice because even his family said, you know, oh, I just don't think it's going to happen. He, he can't focus. He can't this. He can't that. Yeah, and I just think if you give someone the right tools, they can do anything. Yeah, so, yeah, that's, yeah. That's he has why. My heart. <laughs> that's, that's why. That's why you're an amazing speech and language pathologist. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then anything more broadly, you you would was there anything you'd tell yourself, you know, during university? Is there any tips for people that are still study oh. therapists that are still studying? Maybe. Yes. So I've actually had a few. Um, we did we did mentorships in our final year, so I still keep in contact with some of the um, students in second year now. Yeah, and you know a lot of them said, you know, there's a lot of uncertainty over placements being cancelled. I don't want to do it. Like I had to do a I had to do fifty percent of my final placement at a COVID vaccine clinic. Um, so I missed out on a lot of, of my adult placement. I only I had like a quarter of the experience, and a lot of people I've spoken to have said, you know, should we just you know hold off and wait another six months to graduate? Um, and I said, no, <laughs> just just finish because, yeah. you, you, again, you can learn all of that on the job and don't don't feel like, you know, if you do have to at some point do, you know, working in a COVID clinic for 50% of the time, um, you can learn all of that on the job, you know, yeah. just, just get through. You're almost there. <laughs> I love it. I love it. It takes me back it was many years ago that I graduated but I and I did a rotational role It. Royal Melbourne Hospital as a physio, but um, I remember being really quite nervous seeing my first few patients, like really just, you know, you yes, I'd done clinics, but actually I was a real physio now, like I'm registered <laughs> and, and people are listening to me and I really need to give them the right advice and the right, you know, therapy but um I completely agree once you're once you're graduated it is about getting getting stuck into it being honest getting support from your employer support from your peers from university that are in the same position as you knowing that no one expects you to be a you know therapist with 15 years experience um yeah so definitely and that's something that I um I had to learn because I was really bad. I wanted to give the client the answer there and then, and I felt bad that I didn't know. So I had to really work on just simple words, 
I don't know. Yes. I don't know, but I'm going to get back to you on that. I I'm going to talk out. to, yes. I can find out. I've got an amazing supervisor who's specialised in this um, and just really talk it up, jazz it up. Sounds great. That's right. <laughs> that's right. And you know what? That's what, that's what me, if, if, if you were my therapist, that's exactly what I'd want to hear. Not, not information. Yeah. That's exactly what I'd want to hear. Yeah. Um, excellent. Well, thanks for your time, Daniela. I really, really appreciate it. After <laughs> hours too. It's 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 pushed into your personal into into your personal life. Oh no, not at all. I feel like I've had Mondayitis, and this has just brought me up a little bit. So, <laughs> oh, good. Well, we really appreciate it. Your time and your expertise, and I'm sure that grads that listen to this will um, get a lot out of it. So, thanks again. Thanks to Daniela for sharing her insights and experience as a graduate speech pathologist. Don't forget to subscribe to Allied Health Podcast and we look forward to you joining us for Episode 4. We hope you enjoyed listening to the Allied Health Podcast. In the show's notes, you'll find links to our free recruitment resources, job opportunities and healthcare marketplace insights. To listen to new episodes, please subscribe via Apple, Google or wherever you find your favourite podcasts. And if you've enjoyed the show, please give it a five-star rating and review and be sure to tell your therapy colleagues and friends to tune in. Music